Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. Last week, we were going through this, this sermon series, and uh, if you haven't been here, I'll try to do just a brief uh, synopsis of what we've done. Um, going through the, the, life, the, the, the lineage, the life, and the legacy of Joseph, and what we've done is we've kind of gone back, kind of like a, a family sitting around watching a, a home uh, video, you know, just kind of a, a old, old family videos and stuff like that, so we've kind of gone back, looked at uh, Joseph's dad, where he kind of got his, where we started seeing his dad, and his dad, Joseph's dad, is Jacob. So we've been learning a lot about Jacob. We've seen him uh, deceive his dad. We've seen him deceive his brother, uh, steal things. Now he's, he's left the home. His mom, Rebecca, who conspired with him, uh, tried to get him out of the house to preserve his life, but also to go marry a wife that was in their same line, that was not a, a, a heathen uh, wife, but would be in the line that God had blessed. And so uh, the, he's, he's gone, he's escaped. We've already talked about how he, uh, he sees Rachel, Jacob sees Rachel coming over the hill with a, with a, a herd of sheep and, and he pulls the rock off and, and he kisses her and, and tells her who he is. She runs back home, tells her dad. And um, last week we saw something very interesting. We saw the consequences of sin are real. And we also saw that commitment of service pays off because... He got duped by his uncle Laban. Uh, he, was, he was wanting to marry Rachel. He was in love with Rachel. Uh, but Leah was the older sister of Rachel. And Rachel couldn't get married before Leah. That was the, the way it was. That was the custom. So Laban tricked Jacob. And he sent in Leah. And the marriage was consummated after seven years of serving with Leah and not Rachel. Jacob's upset about giving, getting a, a dose of his own medicine. And so he goes to Laban, and he's like, what did you do to me? I didn't want Leah, you know, I wanted Rachel. And he said, look, it's not the custom for the younger to marry before the older, so I gave you Leah. But if you'll fulfill her wedding week, her, the, you know, her, her bridal week, then I'll give you Rachel too if you'll serve me for another seven years. And so he fulfills the seven weeks, he marries Rachel as well, and he begins to serve his uncle for another seven years. Um, now, I, I want to stop and kind of re remind us of what we're doing through this. Again, learning lessons along the way about life. And that's why it's entitled Life is because through this lineage and through this study, we learned so much. 3,700 years ago, we learned so much of what could be applied in our life today. Uh, things about love and loss. We've already seen that. We've already seen that in, in the study about love and loss. And if we look at life as a, a, an acronym, we look at L as love and loss. We also look at I. We see life is full of in inspiration and impositions. We have lots of things that inspire us. Again, we've seen that with Jacob. We've seen impositions, things that are, are not good. Uh, we see family and faith and friends. We see uh, experiences and events. And we see the, the idea or the, the, the reality of eternity in all of this. And so this morning we're going to move forward. And uh, before we do, I just want to kind of share another thing that I hate. Um, so just, just to kind of let you know, some of you have already been here and you know that I hate running. 
right? I hate long distance running. I mean, unless I'm running from something to get away from something. Um, but I don't like to just go out and run. Matter of fact, our, our neighbors, uh, Joe and Elizabeth Wright, sometimes Brother Joe's outside working, and he gets the, the privilege of seeing my misery as I jog by. And most of the time I make a comment to him, uh, something like, I hate it, brother, or it's misery, or something like that, and he just smiles and leaves. Um, but I hate running. And, but there's another thing that I have a disdain for, and that is painting. Painting. Like, and I'm talking about the house, rooms, whatever. I, I hate uh, painting. But despite my disdain for painting, I have done a ton of painting in my life. From working when I was in high school, working on the paint, uh, paint crew with the school district. It's so interesting. The first year, I was working for the coaches. When I was, this is in high school. After my sophomore year, I go to work for Eagle Mountain Saginaw. Um, and I'm mowing yards, and I'm weed-eating, the, the, mowing uh, around the football field and weed-eating around there. And when we're done with our work, the coaches are like, go just play in the gymnastics gym or just don't, don't be found, you know, because if you get found, we get in trouble. So go hide somewhere. This was awesome. I loved working that, you know, all, all, that's right up my alley, mowing, weeding, all that kind of stuff. Um, the next year, I'm thinking, I'm going to go to work for the school district again. I, I want to do that again. And they said, well, you're going to be on the paint crew. <laughs> like, oh, I hate painting. You know, I had, at that point, I hadn't done a whole lot of painting, but uh, what painting I did, I hated. And so they put me on the paint crew, and there began again just a, a misery of summer uh, of painting. Uh, but also painting uh, almost every part of the church building at some point in time uh, throughout the history uh, of the church to our house, um, different rooms and different things and uh, chairs and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and through this experience, I, I've learned something. Even though I hate it, I, I've learned from this, these painting experiences that I've had, and I've learned it the hard way. If you rush, you typically make a mess somewhere. Whether it's running or whether it's splattering somewhere or, or, or whatever, typically you make a mess if you rush. And, and a lot of times it has to do with attitude, right? Because when you, you get into painting and then you're finally just like, oh, I hate this. And you're, and you're flinging paint up or flinging paint down or, you know, it, it's just kind of the way it goes. Uh, one time we were painting the youth room years ago, and uh, I just was, I was kind of over it, and I wasn't paying attention. I think I kicked over a, a, a gallon of paint uh, on the youth room concrete floor. I was like, oh, I hate painting. Um, but uh, again, it, it, it is, I share that because of that principle, and we're going to see it this morning, uh, given, get us, giving us some good insight uh, into that principle about rushing and making a mess of things. So. Uh, let's pray, and then we'll get into this this morning. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us again to experience what we've already experienced, uh, the time to worship you. God, we can never say thank you enough. Lord, you've been so good to us. Lord, those words don't even, they don't even say it right, Lord. Uh, you've been good beyond what we could ever say, beyond what we could ever ask. Uh, you're such a good Father, Lord. You're so loving, so gracious, and kind, and merciful. You're long-suffering with us. You're so patient with us, God, and we're thankful for all these things. We're thankful that we can be your people and that we can serve you in, in the grace that you've extended to us, Lord. We're thankful that we can be a part of your kingdom and, and see other people added to your kingdom and, and help other people 
to, to walk that path because, again, none of us are worthy to do this. And so we're thankful for it. Lord, we're thankful that we can gather this morning and uh, be reminded in your word, be encouraged, be challenged in your word. And I pray that uh, whatever it is that needs to be done in each of our lives uh, would be done in that way. God, whether it's conviction, whether it's challenging us, whether it's encouraging us or just reminding us of something that we already know. Uh, Lord, help us today to, to gain uh, what brings glory to your name. I ask that you just use me as a vessel so that you too would be honored in that. And I praise you for all this, God. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis chapter 29. Uh, you'll have to pardon me too because if I feel like I'm like swaying like this, uh, Rochelle and I were, were blessed. We were given a, a trip. It's kind of early celebration of our anniversary uh, that's coming up next month, 18 years next month. Um, but we got on a boat for a week. And so I, my, my, my head, the whole time I'm up here, you guys look like you're swaying. So if, I, if I'm swaying, that's, that's the problem. Anyways, uh, Genesis 29, we're going to pick up in the study, verse 31. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb. Now again, Jacob loved Rachel. He, he, he wanted to, to have Rachel from the beginning. He was tricked to have Leah as well. And in the relationship, can you imagine this amazing relationship? I mean, some of you ladies have sisters. Can you imagine that relationship, <laughs> being married to the same man? I mean, that's misery. That, that's crazy. And so, so and, and can you imagine even, even worse, Jacob has an affinity for one way more than the other. He doesn't even want to be married to the other one. But he's in this, in this arrangement, he's in this situation. And so... Uh, it's it, just a, a bad, bad, bad circumstance. Again, we saw that. The consequences of sin are real last week. This is, this is what he's got himself into. Um, but the Lord looks down, see that Leah is despised, and he opens her womb, but Rachel was barren, which is an amazing thing, right? Because Jacob is the one, he's pursuing Rachel. That's who he wants. And yet he can't have what he wants through that. He's made this, he's made his bed, now he's lying in it. And now the Lord looks down in a, in a, in a very, I think, Interesting twist, a very ironic situation. He opens Leah's womb instead of Rachel's womb. Look what happens. Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben. And the reason why is because she, the, 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 name of his, the meaning of his name, surely the Lord had looked upon my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. And isn't that an interesting thing as well? Sometimes we think um, the things that uh, we can produce will make people love us, right? Sometimes I, I, I've got to do this, got to be this, um, and that's not sincere love. Sincere love loves just because, um, and it's not conditional. It's unconditional. That's the kind of love that God has for us. Uh, but so Leah is thinking. Now I've given, you know, I've, 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 I've conceived this son, and and I've had this son. Now maybe because of what I've done, he will, he will love me. Maybe because what I can produce for him, he he'll love me. And she conceived again and bare a son and said, Because the Lord hath heard that I was hated, he, therefore, uh, he hath therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. She conceived again and bare a son and said, Now this time will my husband be joined unto me, because I have borne him three sons. Therefore was his name called Levi. So again, Leah's looking at this situation and thinking, Look, I've got this thing in the bank. I may not be as beautiful as Rachel, but I've given him three sons. I mean, in this culture and in this day and time, this meant a whole lot. Th that, that, that Jacob had sons meant that his legacy was going to continue on. 
Now, if you look back at the divine promise as well, this means that the divine promise of God apparently was being fulfilled in Leah, the one that he didn't want. It's interesting, inter- interesting twist and turn of events here in, in this, this man's life who God has chosen. Look what happens. Three sons, and she conceives again. And bears a son, and she says, Now will I praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah. But look what happens. She left off bearing. Everything was going good. She was thinking the things that I do and the things that I produce are going to cause him to love me. And she praises God. She she gets in this situation. Then all of a sudden, the well dries up. She no longer can have children. After four children, after four sons. I mean, again, this is the legacy of Jacob. This is the nation that would eventually be the nation of Israel, part of it. Um, this, is, this is an amazing, uh, again, I'm not getting into all the intricacies that, uh, of these points this morning, but it's such an interesting thing that these things are coming to, to, to pass, not in the way that Jacob would have designed, him, him, designed them himself because of the choices that he made. I was talking with someone, um, I think yesterday, uh, maybe even this morning, uh, and uh, just talking about that. Uh, you know, we, we, we look at our lives, and as we're, we're in this world, we, we forget that we're, as the children of God, part of the kingdom of God. And that's what it's about. It's not about the jobs that we make that give us the money. That, that, that's not what it's about. That's not who we are. We're the children of God. We're a part of the kingdom of God. Our purpose is way beyond dollars that are put inside of a, a temporary bank account. Our purpose is eternal. Our purpose on this earth as the redeemed saints of God are to serve him for his good pleasure, to be vessels of honor in his house, to be used as instruments of righteousness for his purpose. And sometimes we, we, we lose sight of that and we begin to make choices and decisions in our life that, that point only to what seemed to benefit, benefit us in the moment. And we think that somehow it's going to work out. And sometimes by God's grace it does, and sometimes by God's mercy it does. We don't get what we deserve. He gives us what we, we, we haven't earned. All those things are true. But we lose focus that those decisions sometimes have lasting effects, as we saw last week, but also they can go into generation after generation. That's why many times I've talked and encouraged not only our parents, but our grandparents. You have, we have a high calling to make sure the next generation sees that the kingdom of God is what it's all about. That's our responsibility as parents and grandparents, even as adults, as members of a local assembly. You say, I don't have any kids or grandkids in this, in this church, but it's still your responsibility as, as an adult here to be an example for that next generation so that they grow up and they understand there's nothing more important in this life than the kingdom of God. And my, my worry and my concern is if we were to ask that question this morning to all of us, are we given the very best effort that we can to be the influence and to be the example for the next generation that the kingdom of God is the most important thing? Is the most important thing they need to be concerned about? 
Hey, it's, 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 it's awesome to have ambitions in this world. It's awesome to strive in, in, in your athletics. It's awesome to strive in your academics. It's, it's awesome to strive to be the best at what you do. To, to, and the reason why all those things are important is because of a, a biblical principle. Not so that your name is, is exalted, but a biblical principle found in Colossians chapter 3 where it says, Do all that you do as unto the Lord. Everything as unto the Lord. And so again, we look at this, this situation and you have, a, you have a, a, a woman who's trying to do everything she can, maybe in her own power, to gain the affection of her husband who, who doesn't really love her, but is in a situation. And now the well's dried up. Look what happens in verse 1 of chapter 30. And when Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children, she envied, envied her sister. And this is an interesting thing as well. Because while we see this in, in, in real life, in, in real families, um, you know, you have siblings that are, that are jealous of, of each other, you also see this in the family of God, right? You, you see, well, well, why do they have that? Or why? They're never sick, or they never have to, they always do this, or they always have that, or they always get to do this. We have this, this, this envy and this jealousy that exists inside the body of Christ, and, and it's not pleasing to God at all because the Bible says this. In the body of Christ, we are to weep with them that weep. And we are to rejoice with them that do rejoice. Man, when I, when I see um, blessings fall in y'all's lives, I'm just telling you, it, it swells up my heart. And I'm not just saying that to sound spiritual or pastoral or anything like that i'm serious when 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 blessings fall in your life and and, and sometimes i know that that happens and, and i'm not aware of it when 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 i am aware of it man it just swells up my heart i'm just so thankful i'm just so excited for you i was told of something this morning right before i went into our new members class and that's what it did to my heart i thought man that is so awesome god is so awesome i'm so thankful that god moved that way in this family's life such a blessing. I mean, it's, it is awesome. But we see, again, a reality that still exists. Again, 3,700 years later. I mean, it was, it was back in the, in the Garden of Eden, right? It's, 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 it's a curse upon mankind. It was the reason that Cain wanted to kill Abel. He was jealous. He, he, he despised it. His offering wasn't accepted. And so he killed his brother. And, and that's the concern that we see even today among the children of God is, is, is there's this envy that still exists. Why? Why is there this envy in the body of Christ? We should rejoice with them that are rejoicing. And when others are hurting and when they're, when, when they're suffering, we should weep with them as well. We shouldn't rejoice in their sufferings. And we shouldn't weep at their rejoicing. We should rejoice when they rejoice and weep when they weep. But Rachel envied her sister and said to Jacob, <laughs> look, look at this. Give me children or else I die. Look, my life is not worth living unless you give me a child. Give me a child. Look at me. My sister has had four children. You, you, you know, she's given you four children and, 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 and not one. I don't have a child from you. Not one. And look what, look what happens. Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel. And he said, am I in God's stead who hath, withhe who hath withheld from thee the fruit of the womb. A am I God? Am I the one that does that? Am I the one that opens and closes wombs that, that I'm not God? 
Why are, you t- why are you telling me to do something? I'm sure he would have said something like, I've been trying, but it's not, not working. Number three, verse three. And she said, behold, my maid, Bilhah, go in unto her, and she shall bear upon my knees or in my stead, that I may also have children by her. Wow. What a sad situation, again, right? So let's, let's remember a little bit in this family's history. Who, who was his grandpa? Abraham. What happened with Abraham? Sarah was barren. Interestingly enough, Rebecca for a season was barren as well. All of them. Sarah, Rebecca, and now Rachel. But think about what happened with, with Abraham and Sarah. Sarah was getting impatient. Abraham was getting impatient. And so she finally says, here, have my handmaiden. And that, that decision not only affected this family then, it's still affecting the world today. Still today. So that's what she does. She gave him, Bilhah, her handmaid to wife. And it just gets worse. Jacob could have said no. Jacob could have said I've got two of you already, <laughs> you know. I don't think so, you know. Let's just deal with what the cards we've been dealt, you know. He didn't say that. Hey, Jacob went in unto her. So he goes and consummates this marriage with a handmaid of Rachel, the, the wife. I mean, what, what does that do to a relationship? Again, we're in, we're in 2018 America. This culture is completely different than the culture back then. The situation, again, he, he's marrying his cousins, okay? And that was normal. So we're completely, it's not normal today. We're a completely different culture and society. Different, different, amen is right. Uh, we know what happens when that happens. But um, today. But so this, this is a bad situation getting worse. He, he's now marrying and it just continues to compound because verse 5 says that she conceived and bare Jacob a son. And Rachel said, God hath judged me and hath also heard my voice and hath given me a son. Therefore called his name, she called his name Dan. And Bilhah, Rachel's maid, conceived again and bare Jacob a second son. And Rachel said, with great wrestlings have I wrestled with my sister and I have prevailed. Now let's remember, she hasn't conceived yet. And Leah has had four natural children and Rachel basically is having, has had two sons by proxy, not naturally. It's, 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 it's through her handmaid. Yet in her mind, she's saying, look, I'm winning. I'm, I'm having children now. I mean, think, think about this big mess. Think about it in, in our day and time. Two wives. Now, now you can marry my maid and have children in my stead. He's already got four by Leah. Now two more come by the handmaid of Rachel, not Rachel. It's quickly becoming quite a mess. When Leah saw that she had left bearing, here we go. It's just going to get worse, right? Rachel, Rachel's envious already. Leah's having kids. She says, you know, I'm going to get my handmaid. You have, my, you have children for me. Here, marry her. Jacob's like, what? He's like, yeah, marry her and have kids because I can't have kids. He's like, okay. You know, marries her, starts having kids. And Leah's standing back with a barren womb now and saying, whoa, you're not going to beat me, little sister. 
no, no, no. I'm the older sister. I was married first. It's on. She took Zilpah, her maid, and gave her to Jacob to wife. What was Jacob's reaction to this? I mean, he's got two wives, two sisters. Now he's got a handmaid. Now his other wife is giving him her. Now, remember, these were gifts. These these women, uh, these handmaids were gifts by uh, uh, Laban, right? When he gave the wife, he gave the handmaid, his handmaid, to to be a part of their family, to, to help. And Zilpah Leah's maid bare Jacob a son. So we know he said yes. And Leah said, a truth cometh. And she called his name Gad. And Zilpah, uh, Leah's maid bare Jacob a second son. And Leah said, happy am I, for the daughters will call me blessed. And she called his name Asher. What a mess, right? I mean, four natural children by Leah, now two by proxy through her handmaid, two through the, the handmaid of Rachel. I mean, this is an absolute mess. This family is quickly becoming really, really, really complex. We'll talk about that in just a second. Look at verse 14. And Reuben, the oldest son, went in the days of the wheat harvest and found mandrakes in the field and brought them unto his mother Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, Give me, I pray thee, of thy son's mandrakes. Another word for mandrake is love or love apples. It's weird. But it's, it, was a, it was a fruit, and particularly the root had, um, for, they believed, had or fertility benefits um, in, in this day and time. And so it was rare, and it was very coveted. And so the fact that Reuben went out and he found these, first thought that he thought is his mom. Well, my mom is in this competition with my aunt, and they're trying to have kids. My mom's womb, she, she can't have kids anymore because now Zilpa is having babies too. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take these back and maybe it'll open up mom's womb. She'll just win. They'll stop having kids and it'll be over with. I don't even know who my brother is. I mean, you know, uh, who, who are you from? Are you my brother? So, so Reuben's trying to fix this situation himself. But Rachel realizes what happens and she says, look, I saw Reuben come back with those mandrakes. You need to give those to me. I need them. You've had natural kids. I haven't had natural kids. Let me have this. Again, the situation was a childbearing contest. It was crazy. I mean, again, imagine Joseph sitting back watching this family movie unfold thinking, oh my goodness. This is crazy. This is crazy. Who can one up the other? But they're both at this point in their life desperate to have children again. And in the middle of all this mess, you got Jacob, as a man, apparently okay with this arrangement. I mean, I don't know what was in his mind. I mean, again, maybe he partied too hard at the, at the wedding feast for Leah. Uh, and, and, and so since that time, he thought, well, what's the use, you know? Didn't get it who I wanted. I got Rachel. Now there's, I mean, so I guess Jacob's okay with having four wives, and having children uh, by three of them, at least so far. But in this, we notice that Jacob isn't seeing God's plan. And even 
though it was becoming an even bigger mess. We, we don't hear anything about seeking God's face. We don't see anything about calling out to God. At one point in this entire, uh, th- this entire section of Scripture, we see that Leah calls out to praise God after, after her second or third child. But nowhere in this do we see, God, what is your plan? And because of all this, we see this bigger mess snowballing. Can you ma- imagine explaining that family dynamic? I mean, and it's about to get even more complex. Can you imagine explaining that? I mean, sometimes we have that, that problem in our families today, right? Well, this is my, my second cousin by marriage, twice removed. You know, you know like we, we have that because of the complexity of, of, of relationships. Man, this was becoming a mess. Regardless of it all, we know that Jacob was the father. No matter who the question was of uh, whose child was whose, Jacob was definitely the father. But again, if Rachel was in the line of what God had chosen, it had to be in God's time and it had to be God's way, period. Just like it was with, with Abraham and Sarah. It had to be God's time and God's way. Not Abraham's way and Sarah's way with Hagar. It couldn't, it couldn't be that. It had to be God's time and God's way. And so what we see in this story was true, is still true for us today, and that's point number one. And it's this. When we rush and we do it our way, we make a mess. We make a mess. Again, just like with that paint, when, when, when we just try to get it done, we do it our way instead of doing it the right way, we can make a mess. But the same thing happens in our lives and the decisions that we make, the choices, that we, the, the way we get. Sometimes we get in such a hurry to get what we want to have it our way, and we make this big mess in our life. Some people do it, similar to what Jacob and, and Leah and Rachel were experiencing as far as their relationships. They try to rush relationships. Some people try to, to, to rush things of God. Sometimes people try to rush things at their jobs. Sometimes people rush different things in their life. And, and, and again, can make a really big mess. We need to remember that. We need to remember this principle. It was a contest that was turned really nasty. A family contest turned really ugly. I remember when we were kids, uh, growing up with mainly two older brothers, uh, because Chance moved out pretty quick when I was young. Um, But we used to compete with everything. And I think more than anything, it was me trying to compete with them. Uh, Because they were older, I was the younger, and I remember trying to beat them in everything. I, I shared the story of, of racing my dad and, uh, you know, in, in the back fence and the nail going through my hand at a, um, a, a fellowship meeting I was speaking at. Uh, I remember trying to race my brothers and, and, and run, just always in a, in a competition. And uh, that's just kind of the way it was, I remember, um, in, in my mind. But it was like that even in, in the neighborhood. Because I remember where we grew up. We grew up on a street that was a dead end. Uh, kind of a cul-de-sac uh, when we lived in Roanoke. And um, I remember this one time, I was maybe five or six. I was young. I was too young to be doing what the older kids were doing. What the older kids were doing was they were having a bike jumping contest. It, it wasn't titled that. It's just what it turns into, right? I mean, when you got boys out there riding bikes and putting together a makeshift ramp, you're not just jumping. I mean, the first couple times it's fun. You're just jumping ramps, right? But then it becomes a contest. Everything becomes a contest like that. 
And so um, they were, what they were doing is they were stacking bricks up on a, on a, a piece of wood. And they would, they would take off and go and see who could jump the furthest off the ramp. Well, um, I guess it just runs in our family, just the, 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 the competition. So my oldest, the older brother, Mickey, he decides he's going to get way up in, in my five or six-year-old mind. It seemed like forever up on the, on the, uh, the hilltop of the street. I've since gone back as an adult and realized it was far, but it wasn't as far as I thought he was riding. I was thinking it was around like a mile or something to jump this um, in my mind. But he gets up on the street, and he begins to go, and, and is flying down this hill. Now, again, it's just kids making a ramp. It was bricks holding up a piece of wood, and he was flying. Well, he hit that ramp, and I don't know if it's called inertia or whatever, but it took over because... He hit that ramp, and it wasn't as smooth of a, a takeoff, and it kind of catapulted him forward. And he went off the front of that bike, and instead of landing on his hands or landing on his tires or landing on anything else, he landed on his face on a gravel road. And my older brother, Sean, and another kid, I don't remember who it was, one of the kids in the neighborhood, they quickly just grabbed me and turned me around and started marching me back to the house. Now, I, I wanted to know what was going on. I, I, I was not happy knowing that. I mean, he just flew, hit, everybody was in a tussle, and they grabbed me and turned me around and started walking me back. Well, I was trying to struggle to see, and they knew what was going to happen. He knew what was going to happen, and he didn't want it to happen, what was going to happen, if I did what he knew I was going to do. Did y'all get that? Which was when I saw it, I'd, I'd go ballistic. My mom would hear. She'd come running out the house. She'd go crazy. It would be a really bad scene. And somehow, they would all get blamed except for the young one. Right? Okay. So, it happened though. I wiggled away and, and I, I looked back and saw Mickey sitting on the, the, the gravel road, hunched over with what it looked like a mask of red just solid blood and I screamed <laughs> exactly what Sean thought I was gonna do I did and my mom comes running out of the house thinking that something's wrong with me because you know they're marching me and, and I'm screaming she comes and, and they're like no and she's checking me all you know she's asking Sean and he's like no it's Mickey she looks over sees Mickey and it, it was not good so we had to rush the hospital he had gravel and his sinus cavities and his eyelids down lodged in his ears his lip was torn off his nose was torn off it was he had reconstructive surgery it was bad it was a mess it was a mess but they had built this they didn't consult no kids they're not going to do that they didn't consult an engineer they didn't say now his speed and the angle that they didn't do any of that stuff but they, that's what we did. We, we did it ourselves. They did it themselves, and they made a mess. But what was driving, what was driving him? What was driving those kids? What drove me? What, what, what drives all of us in those moments? To do whatever it took, regardless of the cost. And sometimes that's how we make decisions in our lives. When we want to do what we want to do, we, we're going to do whatever it takes Regardless of the consequence, and sometimes those consequences cost us dearly. 
Now with this, I don't want to take away our relentless pursuit of Christ in our lives, but not at the expense of doing things our way versus his way. I'm going to try to hurry through this. Verse 15, and she said unto her, is it a small matter that thou hast taken my husband? So, so again, Rachel comes up, hey, give me those, I saw Reuben come in with those mandrakes. I need some fertility medicine. Give me some fertility, give me those mandrakes. And so Leah says, look, look, you've already taken my husband. What, what, what's, I mean, it's not a small matter. What dost thou take away my son's mandrakes also? And Rachel said, look, let's make a deal. Therefore he shall lie with thee tonight for thy son's mandrakes. Interesting. I, mean, I guess it's a reality that they knew, but it was in the competition of both his affection, his love, and, 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 and the intimacy, and all those things. And so Rachel's so desperate, she's saying, look, you can have him tonight. I don't know if it was her night. It's just a weird thing. I mean, <laughs> look, it's, it's supposed to be my night. I'll give him to you tonight if you'll give me the mandrakes. I, I don't know how it went. Either way, she says, look, I, 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 won't, I won't compete or whatever the situation was. They, they make... A deal. Verse 16, Jacob came out of the field that evening, and Leah went out to meet him and said, you've got to come to my house tonight because I've hired you with my son's mandrakes. Wow. I don't know if you guys are getting that, but she just prostituted her own husband. That's what happened with mandrakes. And she admitted it to him. She walks up to him and says, look, you got to come with me because I bought you with Reuben's mandrakes. Such a weird thing. Again, I mean, this is real life. These were real people. This was going on. How do you think Jacob felt about it? Now, I don't know. You bought me, how many mandrakes did you? <laughs> I mean, did he feel like a piece of meat? I mean, how was he with this? How did he deal with it? You know how he dealt with it? He said, okay. No problemo. <laughs> he wasn't Hispanic. I'm sorry. This, he may have. <laughs> this is messed up. This is messed up because his okay is verse 17, and he hearkened unto Leah. I'm sure she like, was twisting his arm or whatever, but... He hearkened unto Leah, and she conceived and bare Jacob the fifth son. Now, some theologians reason that the reason why she was able to do this, because this is not a right situation either, right? She, she, she bought this night with her own husband, uh, with mandrakes from her son to her sister. Uh, again, this is not, not pleasing to God, but some theologian, theologians reason the reason why God did this or blessed her with this other son was to reward her generosity in this moment. Maybe. I don't know if I agree with those theologians or not. What I, what I see in this is I see a problem that man has made being compounded and the mess being made bigger so that the lesson becomes even more clear and more, the illustration even clearer later down the road. And that's sometimes what happens in our lives, right? We make these decisions. These messes get big. Sometimes we make more decisions and make the mess bigger. And then later, God shows us, we learn the lesson, be it the hard way or whatever. And it's a very vivid lesson. 
because of the mess that's made. Again, Rachel was desperate, feeling like she was a complete failure. She hasn't been able to give Jacob a son. She negotiated with some fertility fruit. And look what happens. In verse 18, Leah said, God has given me my hire because I've given my maiden to my husband. And she called his name Issachar. And Leah conceived again and bare Jacob the sixth son. And Leah said, God has endued me with a good dowry. Now will my husband live with me. He's, he's going to live with me now. I've given him all kinds of kids because I've borne him six sons. And she called his name Zebulun. And afterwards, she bare a daughter and called her name Dinah. Now imagine this for just a second as we, as we close. This has become an even more difficult situation for Rachel, who again, who tried to do it her way. Rachel was trying to do it her way all along as well. And it was becoming a sad situation, a big mess. It was, it was really, really bad. And in this, in this moment, way, the way it appears for Rachel is this. Leah hasn't done everything right, but Leah apparently keeps getting everything that she wants while Rachel just sits back and gets nothing. Again, sometimes we can get that way in our lives. We, we take our eyes off the Lord. We take the, the, our eyes off the purpose that God has given us in our life and the purpose that God has given in, 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 in his kingdom for our life. We take our eyes off that and begin to focus on what other people have and don't have and what they're doing and what they're not doing. We, we lose focus of all that, and that's exactly where Rachel was, and it was ruining her life. It's the same thing that happens today. If you're focused on other people, it'll ruin your life. It'll make you a very bitter and envious person. Rachel, who God would use in his time, in his way, was having to learn some hard lessons. And again, and that serves as a lesson for us today. We don't have to do it like that. Look on, verse 22, and God remembered Rachel. And God hearkened unto her, just like he did to Sarah. Opened her womb, and she conceived and bare a son, and said, God had taken away my reproach. And she called his name Joseph. Rachel's first son, this study that we're doing, was finally given to her. The Lord shall add to me another son. And it came to pass, Rachel had born Joseph, that Jacob said to Laban, okay, look, now it's, it's complete. I, 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 I finally have a son by the woman that I love, the woman that I came for. So send me away that I may go into my own place, into my own country. Give me my wives and my children for, for whom I have served thee, and let me go, for thou knowest my service, which I have done to thee. Again, very clearly in this study, we've seen a principle that applies to us the same as it did then. When we rush... We make a mess. But on the other hand, number two, when we wait and trust God to do it his way, then we see the miraculous. See, this man that we are studying, Joseph, that we're about to get into, it, it happened in God's time. It happened God's way. And you can imagine this big mess that has been made by Jacob and Leah and Bilhah and Zilpah and even Rachel. All of this big mess and all of this stuff. If, 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 if maybe Jacob would have said, you know what? I'm going to stay where, where, where God is leading me. I'm going to seek God's way. I'm just going to wait on God's time. I'm going to trust him that he's going to do it his way. It may have been years down the road. It may have not been the way that he wanted it or when he wanted it. But it would have been perfect 
And it would have been a miracle. And Jacob would have witnessed it without all of the mess having to be experienced as well. Again, this is an amazing truth that's seen throughout all of Scripture as our musicians make their way. This is we saw in that study, if you were here, went through returning to God. The picture of man's way versus God's way. It always reveals God's grace and, and his love. Let me ask you this. The whole reason that there is a Gentile category at all, right? There's Jews and Gentiles. The whole reason there, is a, there has to be a, a Gentile category versus a, a chosen people of God. You know why? Man's way. Man's way. The whole reason why there are 12 tribes of Israel that we'll see eventually in this. The whole reason why there's 12 tribes of Israel versus just one man's way. That's what we're seeing. The whole reason that we deal with sin and its effects at all. Man's way. Adam and Eve. Man's way. And through it all, this is the amazing thing. God's relentless love and his amazing grace comes along and even despite our way and us making a mess of things, God comes along and he provides his way, the right way. See, the time's drawing nigh for the end of man's way. We're coming to the end of this world. And then at that point, it's only going to be God's way and God's way only. And he made the way for us to experience that through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The only way for us to be in God's way is through that. Again, another case in point. Even then, the Jews had made it about them when Jesus comes on the scene. And he had to say, look, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Why do we do this? Why do, why do we still do this? 37 years later, I mean, 3,700 years later, we, we, we still see that, that we, we, we rush and we try to do it our way and make a mess of things and when we can just wait and trust God for him to do it his way and see the miraculous. Why do we still do this? Again, the battle of Jacob, Leah, Rachel. The battle of pleasing our flesh versus pleasing the Lord. They were impatient. We get impatient. God had to open the way for them in his time. Can you imagine what they were looking at? This big old huge mess. What about you this morning? What are you trying to do yourself? What are you trying to make happen for yourself? What, a, what about your walk with the Lord? You say, man, I, I just, I don't read the word, I don't pray, I don't find joy in worshiping God, I show up and I try and I go through the motions, but it's just not there. Are you trying to do it your way? Or are you trying to do it God's way? Are, are you trying to just make it happen, or are you surrendering, trusting God? What about this? What are, what are you, in your life now, you realize that you're making a mess of? I'm making a mess in, in my marriage because I'm trying to force my way. I'm, I'm making a mess in my family. 
I, I, I'm just trying to do everything my way and, and, and how I want it when I want it. Are you rushing something and thinking that it's going to be okay? Let's learn the value of waiting on the Lord. Let's learn the value of trusting God's time and His way. We had the same conversation in our house that was had when I was growing up. And like I said, older brothers, there were times they ran out the house and did something, and my mom said, nope. And I would fuss and why, it's not fair. And she would say, they're older than you. When you're their age, you can do that too. Same conversation that we have. So we can, again, I've shared this before. As parents, we can apply these principles, right? Not now. Wait in time. But we don't like it when it comes to our lives that, that way. God's, God's telling me to wait. God's telling me not yet. Let's do what Proverbs chapter 3 says. Let's trust him in all our ways. And he'll direct our paths. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us to be here again in this reminder that when we rush and we try to do things our way, we can make a really big mess. Again, we all are a testament to that at some point in our lives. But Lord, we realize also throughout Scripture and even in our lives, we've experienced those times that we have waited on you and trusted your way and seen the miraculous. I pray that that would define our lives, God, that we would be more known for trusting you and waiting on you for you to do it than we are for doing it our way and making a mess of things. I pray that you would just speak to us this morning. Help us respond rightly to this message and this invitation. And I pray that you would just move. Lord, help us to surrender what needs to be surrendered, commit what needs to be committed. Lord, that you would get the glory from it all. We ask this in Jesus' name.